you flip through music podcasts like you would the dollar bins of your local record shop, hoping to stumble upon that rare pressing or super under-the-radar classic? Well, dig no further. Vinyl Emergency is where musicians, everyday album collectors, and those who design, release, or otherwise celebrate vinyl records come to share their stories about how this influential medium has shaped their lives and careers. I'm your host, Jim Hankey, and you can join me and a new guest every other Tuesday as we take you through LP artwork that has stood the test of time, our favorite neighborhood record stores, the first albums we ever bought. The tangible object of a vinyl record can spark so many intangible memories, and that's what Vinyl Emergency aims to capture and share with you. Past episodes have featured interviews with Roseanne Cash, Hosier, Creed Bratton from NBC's The Office, members of Foo Fighters, Wilco, Tom Petty and the Heartbreakers, and Run DMC not to mention label owners, record pressers, and more within today's exploding vinyl community. You don't need to be a longtime record collector to enjoy or keep up with our conversations, but I guarantee you'll learn something new whenever you listen. Subscribe to Vinyl Emergency however you get podcasts, and follow the show on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Vinyl Emergency. Where the unknown is the goal, the discovery is the joy, the journey is the destination. Welcome to The Ravine, part of Osiris Media, Explorations in Atonal Fish. My name is Brian Brinkman, co-host of the Beyond the Pond podcast, and I'd like to invite you on a new journey to explore the muddied segments of improvisational brilliance and transgressive discovery that dot Fish's near 40-year career. Discourse and debate will be left aside, as the goal here is listening and understanding the steps Fish has taken to better communicate with each other and evolve at their own pace without ranking, comparisons, or context. Like that mysterious radio show you heard on that random station at 3 a.m. while driving through. What state am I in? The ravine will come and go from your feed, but the magic and ambivalence will be sure to coax you in. Episodes will drop monthly on Fridays at 9 p.m. Eastern, but perhaps with more frequency as inspiration allows. Keep the dial tuned towards the ravine. We'll look forward to you joining this journey in early July, 2020. As two middle-aged dads who run a fish podcast, Dave and myself are both well-bearded men. And because of that, we're constantly on the lookout for great products to groom and trim our beards. And that's why we are so thankful in this trying time for a company like Harry's. Harry's knows that now is not the time to overpay for razors at the drugstore. Harry's knows that sometimes it's better to stay inside. That's why they ship razors and gel and product directly to you so you can experience the quality of a Harry's shave in just a few days from the convenience of your own home. 
So we encourage all of our listeners to join the 10 million who have tried Harry's. Claim your special trier offer by going to harrys.com slash BTP. That's harrys.com slash BTP. So Harry's is really a return to the essential. You get quality, durable blades at a fair price. Just $2 per blade. They cut out the middleman, they manufacture their blades in their German blade factory that's been owning precision blades for a century, which means you get incredibly high quality blades at factory direct prices. It's super convenient because the blade refills are delivered directly to your door on your schedule with or without a subscription, and you can feel really good about your purchase because they have a 100% quality guarantee. If you don't love your shave, let them know. They'll give you a full refund, and 1% of the proceeds are set aside for nonprofit organizations that are devoted to helping provide access to better health care for men and veterans. And I'll just say that um, my beard's gotten a bit unruly in quarantine, but no matter what, I refuse to have a neck beard. I'm not that lazy. <laughs> I cannot do my neck beard. I gotta have lines. I use Harry's to keep those lines intact. The rest of it gets kind of bushy, but there's gonna be uh, there's a line where the pair will not go, and that's what I'm using Harry's for. Absolutely. So listeners of Beyond the Pond can redeem their Harry's trial set at Harry's.com/btp. You'll get a weighted ergonomic handle for a firm grip. Five blade razor with a lubricating strip and trimmer blade, rich lathering shave gel with aloe to keep your skin hydrated, and a travel blade cover to keep your razor dry and easy to grab on the go. It's a fantastic deal from a fantastic company that can help us out in these difficult times. So go to harrys.com slash BTP to start shaving better today. I am Brian Brinkman. You are listening to episode 101 of the Beyond the Pond podcast. This is the podcast that's generally speaking, Brian and myself utilize the music of Fish as a means of getting the listener to listen to other bands. These are usually not jam bands because we love Fish. We are Fish fans, especially in times of uh, quarantine. We need comfort food. And yes, we still are in a pandemic. You should still stay home if you got to stay home. But sometimes Fish fans can get a bit myopic. Only listen to their favorite band can count down set lists and different types of minutiae. Like the back of their hand, like their parents' and grandparents' names. But you talk about other bands, they go kind of blank. And... Uh, we're trying to do something about that. We are. We've been in your service for the better part of three years now, and uh, we've crossed the century mark, and we are still here to serve all of you. 
This is a this is a mission of service, a mission of good for everyone out there. And we're very excited here to be ushering in a new century, if you will, for Beyond the Pond. We have brought on a great friend, a fantastic uh, musical mind, a huge fish fan, but just as importantly, if not more importantly, a devotee to many, many, many great artists and genres and styles of music outside of the world of fish. And that is Mr. Wade Wilby. Wade, welcome to Beyond the Pond. How are you doing? Oh, I'm so, I'm so well. Thank you guys so much for having me. It's an honor to be here. And uh, I know we were just discussing uh, what a, a service this is you guys do for the community because yes, fish fans do get a bit myopic and it's, <laughs> you know, it's, it's, it's funny to draw, you know, the, the lines between things like sometimes we'll have people over and, and, and Danny will, will prod them with, with, pop music you know what i mean but it'll be like bieber or like scissor or something that's really well produced and the beat's really good and there i'll have the wooks in the room shrugging and i'm like no 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 strip everything down listen to it listen to the beat listen to that beat <laughs> like listen to that i'll think of that beat in the middle of a ghost jam you know what i mean yeah, yeah. so when you strip these things down and you draw the line between fish they're like oh wait a minute maybe this is good and you're like see just <laughs> you mute Bieber out of this and you listen to the beat. This is pretty hot, right? Um, but anyway, yes, it's wonderful to be on. And uh, I, th I thank you guys so much. Congratulations on 100 episodes and, and so many more. Thank you, man. Thank you. Yeah, we are uh, we are very excited to have you here. And we're going to be, if you haven't picked up on it already, breakbeats are going to be a major theme of uh, today's episode. We are connecting the dots. Wade has... Uh, written out a phenomenal thesis, if you will, that connects the dots between fish playing breakbeats and the history of crate digging, the history of so much music. Dave, what are our themes, though, that we're going to talk about here in this episode? So for this breakbeat-centric episode, the themes are going to include breakbeats of a feather, or flocking outside, crate digging, and the connection of Fish 1998, 1999, and 2018 and 2019. On that note, let's get to some fish. It's easy. All right, everybody, welcome back. To be on the pond, I am Wade Ellis Wilby, the uh, very lucky, lucky co-host here today. Um, this is a, uh, this is a. I was telling these guys, this is essentially like my tour thesis. <laughs> this is my grad. This is my grad paper. This will decide if I get my doctorate <laughs> tour or not. Um, so, from the, we're talking about breakbeats here. So from. The outset, let's go back to Fish. Let's start with Fishman as a drummer. All right. Now, from the very beginning, there's that the 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 age-old anecdote of Trey being very perturbed that while writing all of these new songs, Fishman refused to play the same beat twice. <laughs> and that was becoming problematic yeah. because that, you know, a beat's a beat's a beat, but it's not though. Because then he would start to put 
many different polyrhythms together. Straddle between samba, calypso, bossa nova, swing, jungle, everything. He would take all of these different tunes, songs, styles from all over the world, world beat, blues, everything, into these concoctions that would end up making some very eclectic fish songs. And we, the guys and I were talking beforehand. Well, there were breakbeats that were, you know, existed before Birds of a Feather, long before that. Brother, Savage Breakbeat, the middle section of McGruff. Yes. That's pure, pure drum and bass. Buried Alive, Fantastic Break, The Wedge, in, Incredible Breakbeat, even All Things Reconsidered. The, the king of them all, the one that Trey wrote on a drum machine in order to stump fish. Yes, you guys know it. This is limb by limb. <laughs> Trey wrote the beat to limb by limb on a drum machine in order to stump fish. There's no way he can play this. A computer made this. Well, guess what? Joke's on you, Trey. <laughs> he knew. Uh, now, while he may have played over the ending a few times over the years, which is hilarious, uh, he has still uh, figured out how to play limb by limb live. So he Fishman has been creating his own breaks from the very beginning.
And so this is really what one of the the things that separated them from the Grateful Dead. It, it you you were given a very rock and roll Americana ragtime, you know, and then of course it could blossom off to free jazz and jazz fusion and things of that. But it was still on from a rhythmic standpoint, not as crazy inventive as as Fishman would and could get. So there was, you know. Now this is where now we're going back to the early eighties of of fish, and you know, time passes on, and you know, this draws a direct line to another culture that would take the best beats of each song, marry them together to make something entirely new, entirely all their own, uh, which of course will lead us to crate digging and hip hop. Um, now I know that the two gentlemen on the other end of the line are, are crate diggers in their own right. You guys know the thrill of the hunt, mm -hmm. the, the, the love that's digging through mm -hmm. finding the, the, you know, the old, the mono pressing of revolver and, <laughs> you know, and, and making the beeline to the, to the cashier to make sure nobody else saw what you were holding. <laughs> Uh, you know, uh, so it's, you know, this, so we can draw, we could start, we could connect our first dot there. Now, while it may, you know, you know, again, I want to start this with a caveat by saying these are lines drawn by the, the author, because I'm not saying that Fishman was thinking of hip hop while he was, making his um you know amalgamated beats this is not you know these are all of the ideas here come from the author well, these are not it, in no time am i speaking for fishman at this point it's it's so. an interesting point because it, it, it raises a question for me that i um have been thinking about since we started talking about this episode like um and and i think we're, we're, we're going to touch into this a little bit when we get towards the end of the episode but i kind of want to maybe leave this question hanging over this is um you know <sighs> The, the focus of Fish's, like the goal with Fish, it, it seemed to me, at least for Trey around 93, 94, was for him to recede into the shadows, the, the other members of the band to step forward, and suddenly Trey is in a position where he can play within this band that's playing rather than lead this band. And mm -hmm. that goal was fully realized, obviously, with abstract experimentations in 94 and 95, which led to remain in light, which led to 97, 98, 99, 2000. Do you mm -hmm. guys think consciously the band was going after the type of music that we're talking about tonight? Or do you think it was a means to an end for their overall kind of creative journey? I'm going to let Dave jump in here because uh, I'm a, I'm a, I'm going to be a ball hog tonight. So I'm going to let Dave weigh in here first. <laughs> I don't really have an answer. You kind of uh, put me on the spot with that question. I just think, um, hmm, God. There's no wrong answer. It's all just, you know. No, in terms of um, their well, rhythmic development, I mean, the help, it certainly helps that they're all very much virtuosos. Well, Trey sure. is the captain. The only way that he gets to be that way is by having the incredibly inventive rhythm section of Mike Gordon and John Fishman. I mean, kind of like right. what Wade was saying, another difference between the Grateful Dead and Fish is that um, 
at least for most of their career, the Grateful Dead had two different drummers, whereas Fish, obviously just John Fish is the one guy. I mean, I would even argue, for my money, the, uh, the, the Mickey Heartless 1972 to 1974 version of the Dead swung a lot harder yes. than when they, yes. they added harder. Mickey. And Kreutzmann with the jazz background, they were much more lithe, much more swinging version of that band. And then kind of when you only have the one mind versus the two. But yeah, Fishman, Fishman's skill is that he kind of, he can play shit that nobody else plays without breaking a sweat. Like you watch him, sure. <laughs> you watch him in the video, you watch That's him on right. dinner in a movie, on like the webcast. He doesn't look like he's breaking a sweat. He's like, just like another day at the office. And then you listen to it, you're like, what the hell is going on? But it's just, yeah, it's effortless. And yet it never sounds like a riff. It's just, uh, he pulls it out of the air. I saw a show where they gave him a, they gave him a banana before he came on for the encore. Cause they said it was the first show he'd worked his ass off at in 20 years. <laughs> 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 doesn't really answer the question we're going for um i i mean this now we're you know we'll i'll try to use as many historical anecdotes as possible to to lead the point you know but still with the caveat of you know i am not speaking for anyone but you've got to you know you you you, you will fans will will do well to watch the James Brown concert that the the band was watching on the bus that literally made 1997 happen. Mm-hmm. Um, it, you know, it was, I think it was just to the point where, you know, the whole, you, you, you played too many notes. You say that every fucking night, <laughs> you know what I mean? And I, you know, this was this, the, 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 the Trey's bombastic guitar playing was only going to go so far in a democratic society until they were like, okay, we need to like shift gears here and find something new. And to be able to focus on groove and leave space in the notes, you know, going all the way back to Trey's ambient alarm clock radio show, you know, the Brian Eno. It's not the space. It's not the notes that are played, but the space between them, you know, to, to sort of take those two steps back, listen to this, uh, you know, legendary uh, James Brown concert. And, uh, you know, I, I feel uh, I almost feel that this this coming era of funk and four on the floor and breakbeats was an inevitability given that where where else were they going to go right, they had gone right. so many uncharted places the you know the, the summers before us i mean you have august 93 you've got the you know name your tweezer of 95 and even the bowies of 95 the awkwardness of 96 we land and remain in light we all follow the same timeline so i see this as an inevitability because it just couldn't stay out out forever now they had to please an NBA stadium every night. Sure, sure. They weren't going to just, they're not going to, there has to be some element of accessibility to this free formness. Um, do I now on a commercial level, do I think that this was a business decision? No. Oh, no, I, I, not at all. All of their decisions are always going to be based on music, but it's, it's, it helps that you start to play four on the floor as the dead collapses and you have now inherited literally everyone. 
now, you know, so, you know, it, either way, um, I think that's a great question. Maybe we'll get to check off some more boxes on that uh, as we move along. But it's, uh, you know, uh, that was a great question, Brian. That's uh, now, 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 my, now my brain's in a loop. I'm just thinking about we'll, it. Right we'll we'll see if we can answer it throughout this. But let's uh, yeah. let's dive into um, kind of crate digging and and kind of get started with all this. Yeah. So drawing the line from Fishman, trying to create these rhythms that no one had ever heard before. Well, you got to go to the Bronx now. Now we've got to bring it to you know, the homemade mixers, the cool Herks, um, of the world. Uh, you know, these kids were made taking belt drive turntables. You could hardly scratch on making their own mixers so that they could go between two turntables because the, the, the equipment just simply didn't exist at that point, a very renegade culture in and of itself. And, and so the best DJs would search these record stores, these the funk section, everything, even old elect, you know, weird, weird German electronic music. And they would take the record home and wherever the break was, they would tape that break off and then they would take it a step further so that no one would be able to know what break they were using. They would cover up with a white label <laughs> so that that, so that that would be like, no, that this is my break. You're not taking this break. So then they would take one white label break and another white label break, play them together. And now they've got something that is literally that someone else has made, but they've made, which is what all music is anyway. Right, right, right. If you're a DJ or a musician, it doesn't matter. You're taking two things that someone else made and finding a way to make them work together. And that's exactly what John Fishman did. And that's exactly what those kids in the Bronx did. They took the breaks that they saw was a means to their end, or they could find some jumping off point for them creatively. And they did it. And so what we want to do for you now, just to give you a sense of how these breaks worked, we're going to play. We got the jazz from a tribe called quest. So now for anybody who has been lucky enough to see the Q-Tip uh, Tribe Called Quest documentary mm. where he's actually pulling these records out and playing the breaks for the songs for you. Uh, I really recommend it. I couldn't I couldn't recommend it enough. If anybody's interested in hip-hop culture, DJ Breaks. I think it's on culture. um I think so, it's on Crackle. Like the like free so service I, it's on. I forget where it, Oh, I'm I'm pretty sure it's yeah, free stream. Okay. I don't know if it's mm. on YouTube. It's probably so, a, Probably on YouTube as well, but you can it, definitely find without too much effort. Oh, absolutely, absolutely. It's it's and to watch Q-Tip just talk about the source material with such reverence. I mean, you know, and that's the thing is, you know, someone from the outside looking in would be like, "Oh, well, these guys are just stealing." Well, not when you see them talking about the people that they're taking from with such reverence and like respect for for the music that they're using. Um, you know, it's, it's, a, it's, it's very much a, a, a soulful nod of the cap. So while you're listening along, I want you to take in consideration that we got the jazz is five songs sampled over each other. <laughs> Green Dolphin Street. That's right. Green Dolphin Street. Don't Change Your Love by the Five Stair Steps. Light My Fire by The Doors. 
Murder Them by Ninja Man, Funky Breeze Ghetto Sauce by The Dells. So in that, you have a jazz standard, you have soul, you have literally lame 60s psychedelic (laughs) rock, you have hard, hardcore raga, and then we go back to the Dells, which is some more breezy soul. So they took all of those styles together to make this song, which is, I think a great uh, example of, of, of how Fishman would take a bunch of different beats and put them together to make a tune. So this is it. We got the jazz beyond the pond. Wade Ellis will be Brian Brinkman, Dave Goldstein. So happy to have you here. Stirred firm and young with a laid back tongue. The aim is to succeed and achieve at 21. Just like Ringling Brothers, our days in a sound. Captivate the mass cause the pros is profound. Do it for the strong, we do it for the meek. Boom it in your boom it in your boom it in your Jeep. Or your Honda or your Beamer or your Legend or your Benz. The rave of the town to your foes and your friends. So push it along, trails we blaze. Don't deserve the gong, don't deserve the praise. The tranquility will make you unball your fist. For we put hip hop on a brand new twist. A brand new twist with a whole heap of mystic. So low key that you probably missed it. But yet it's so loud that it stands in the crowd. When the guy takes the beat, they bowed. So raise up squire, adjust your attire We have no time to wallow in the mire If you're on a foreign path, then let me do the lead Join in the essence of the cool I breed The cool out to the music cause it makes you feel serene With the birds and the bees and all those groovy things Like getting stomach aches when you gotta go to work Or staring into space when you're feeling berserk I don't really mind if it's over your head Cause the job of resurrectors is to wake up the dead So pay attention, it's not hard to decipher And after the horns you can check out the viper Sideways, but competition them must come straight. Wait, competition them try to come sideways, but competition them must come straight. Wait, how's about that? It seems like it's my turn again. All through the years, my mic has been my best friend. I know some brothers wonder, can fight for really kick it? Some even want to diss me, but why sweat it? I'm all into my music because that's how I make tapes. Try to make hits like it could be tapes. Me sweat another, I do my own thing. Strictly hardcore tracks, not a new jack swing. I grew up as a Christian, so did I, I give thanks. Collect my banks, listen to shabarangs. I sing and chat, I do all of that. It's 1991 and I refuse to come back. I take off my hat to other crews that tend to rock, but the low end theory's here. It's time to wreck shop. I got tip and shot, so whom shall I fear? Stop looking, listen, but please don't stare. Suggest to the store and buy the LP or drive RCA. Sets and CDs produced and arranged by the four man crew. And oh shit, Skeff Anselm, he gets props too. Make sure you have a system with some fat house. All right, all right, so you just heard. Uh, we got the jazz, so I hope uh, you take some time, maybe dissect that some more, uh, so you can maybe hear those little samples out. Uh, that whole album out. that's off of uh, uh, the low oh, end theory yeah. is incredible. I mean, you can't go. It's uh, oh my god. I mean, the list, of, the list of records sampled on the low end theory is just, I mean, and that's, you know, and that's the brilliance of it. Right. You know, those DJs who are, you know, so protective of their breaks for a reason because they end up making albums like the low end theory, you know, so it's, you know, there's a reason to be protective, you know, and so 
so we're moving forward now, right? So now we're in hip hop world and we're starting to now close in on birds of a feather in a way that you, you guys might not be familiar with. So there's a famous break, the Amen break. And it pretty much created most of hip hop. It created all of drum and bass. Um, it's the cornerstone of which most of breakbeat culture uh, was created on. I'm going to give you a tiny little backstory about these guys. Now, it was the B-side of a single by the Winstons. And it was very little critical acclaim, if any. And uh, this break happens at about two minutes in or so. Uh, you can hear the break start, but the actual break, and you guys will hear it, uh, is is literally the the foundation of all breakbeat culture and, and a lot of hip hop. Um, and so what makes this break different than all of the breaks that came before it are ghost notes. Mm. Now to succinctly put this and maybe one of you guys could have a better explanation, but so a ghost note is if you're looking at a piece of sheet music, it, the note, that that is a ghost note will be notated by an X in the measure, but not fully played. It will be breezed over. It will be so you're it's it's essentially um it's an accent more than a note. So and Fishman way before Birds of the Feather was the king of ghost notes already. I mean Kreutzmann had a great ghost note. Any great any of the great bebop drummers, all of those guys, uh I mean, all the Zappas guys, Chester Thompson, uh, anybody who's worth the salt has got a great ghost note. Those those un those unaccentuated notes in the measure that are like little whispers before the accent between the the two and the four, the one and the three. Uh, many ghost notes could be used as pickup notes before the and one is usually a, a ghost note. Um, do either of you have a better way of explaining this to our crowd? I, mean, I think one good way to explain it would be to um, simply play the breakbeat, which we're discussing. Amen, brother, by the Winstons. Yeah. I mean, yeah, because when people hear this, they're going to be like, oh, yeah, this. Exactly. <laughs> like, they're going to be like, oh, so this. So, yeah, so you're absolutely right, Dave. We're going to. Uh, so this is we're going to jump back into another piece of music real quick here because this is you know the, the, these are all foundations of the 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 point we're trying to get to. So uh, this is Amen Brother by the Winstons, nineteen sixty nine. God bless it.
All right, so that was just um, Amen Brother by the Winstons with the famous, famous Amen beat. It was uh, just off mic discussing how that was recently co-opted by the Jonas Brothers in their not half bad 2019 single called Sucker. So kind of in terms of ghost notes, I mean, if there's a way to succinctly describe it, it's notes played quote, very softly in between the main notes, most often a snare drum on a drum kit. It's almost kind of like something mm-hmm. you know it when you hear it. I mean, I'm trying to... The best way to explain it is to keep playing more of the breakbeats like the Amen breakbeat that we just did. I mean, I often think of... When I think of ghost notes, I mean, immediately in terms of drum and bass music, the first thing that comes to mind is the soundtrack to the movie Pie, which I want to say came out in... Um, oh, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. That's, that's, that's yeah, ghost notes. Yeah, that's entirely notes. ghost notes. That's yeah. just like you put it on. This is like yeah. straight up late 90s drum and bass. Uh, the artist, British artist Ronnie Size had a big moment. Oh, I mean, Ronnie Size, I can't even. I mean, yeah. we could go on forever about he kind Ronnie of Size. I mean, his band represent, too, is just yeah. incredible. Like in the so. mid 90s, he kind of brought German bass to the masses. That's when at least I really started reading about in like mainstream magazines like Spin and Rolling Stone, you know, more like. Yeah, yeah, and it was and it was no it was no small feat. I mean, he had gotten some big remix gigs, and his the the thing that set him apart was he was one of the first guys, along with the Easy Rollers, who had the first drum and bass ensembles. Like so, who would also have they had their production gigs, and then they would he would go out with you know sometimes four piece, sometimes an eight piece, some horns, vocalists, mm. the whole bit. So Ronnie size from the very beginning from represent onward uh, was uh, um, he was getting a lot of press because of um, his overt use of upright bass, his very, his very deliberate use of jazz, um, which made a side bar, a, a subgenre of drum and bass called jazz step. Mm-hmm. Uh, but that's for another lecture. Uh, I just remember, um, I'll tell you a really but, funny anecdote I never forgot. This was uh, seven years ago when we, everyone was, um, if you weren't at the 2013 Halloween show where they played Wingsuit, which would eventually become like the Fuego album. Everybody was hearing those songs for the first time. So then Fish goes into the song Fuego, which of course has the monster breakbeat section, which Fish been doing oh, pure drum so and bass. Good. So, Fisher started to play that, and I immediately went on Twitter, and I typed in, like, fuck yeah, Ronnie Sykes, drum and bass. And then I think the next tweet, two seconds later, was you, Wade, was saying, like, fuck yeah, Ronnie (laughs) Sykes. Right. That's right. I mean, I have a... Oh, I have a radar for ev- all things drum and bass, but but I still am waiting for them to make that the launch right. pad. They haven't done it. Like, I get it. Go. That's yeah. like yeah, they, yeah. They really need to make that a launch pad. There's I mean, one. The thing there's about- one version where that section in particular is, is extended. Right, because it has like um, the they attack samples. Really. Yeah, it's October thirtieth, twenty sixteen, from Las Vegas. It's the Jeez. only version. Jesus Christ, here's. <laughs> it's the only version wow. where that segment of Fuego is jammed out. It's fucking awesome. I remember, Brian. My my hat is off to you. That is incredible. <laughs> Three point recall. Well, and that the, is... and that that section of the um 
of Fuego that's written into the song, I think is also lifted from a fish standpoint from the August 31st, 2013 Chalk Dust Torture, which goes into a, we should actually play a segment of that right now because that, is, or later in the show, that uh, yeah. is, that is um, a I'm, huge, huge drum and bass moment from Fishman. It's unbelievable. That's like, yeah, you know, and that's funny that you say that because today I was going through a bunch of 3.0 because breakbeats have become so much of a like I mean show saver at this right. point like like and I'm listening to and and chalk dust a ton of chalk dust start to become these beautiful ethereal drum and bass tunes and like it's uh, chalk dust has become a big drum and bass jump off yes. uh in 3.0 which is I in 1.0 would have told you you were crazy. <laughs> if you would have told me in 1.0 that Chalk Dust would become a drum and bass jump off, I would have been like, <laughs> yeah. All right, dude. Have another double stack Mitsubishi, bro. <laughs> um, but.
So I, I think I think you know one one thing to say here, just like jumping back to the ghost notes, like there's there's a huge focus on muting your string or muting the note, and it's very rhythmic. That's it right. moves away from melody, which you can hear, you know. In we're gonna play a few examples here a little bit later from Fish, but um, I know Wade, you had a you had a, an artist you wanted to focus on here with regards to this. Yeah, so I I wanted to play this as we're we're moving along here. Now remember, we're drawing our lines here between fish and breakbeat cultures. So now we're moving on down the line here in a timeline. And now that we we've started to talk about ghost notes, I I wanted to show you guys uh, this gentleman Tony, um, artist named London Electricity. He owns Hospital Records. Uh, which has had the most number one drum and bass hits in the UK. Um, arguably the biggest drum and bass label to ever exist. No shot to you, Goldie. Metalheads forever. But, <laughs> um, you know, uh, don't want Goldie, you know, getting in an uproar here because obviously he's a huge fan <laughs> of the show. Um, uh, you know, uh, so breakbeats have mutated much like fish. And drum and bass has mutated over and over and over again. And I wanted to start to frame the upcoming portion of the conversation where we start to get into birds of a feather and the change of the timeline for fish from a cultural and music standpoint. I wanted to show you guys a, a very modern snapshot of the ghost note and uh, of some very deeply composed, very mature drum and bass. Um, something that you could easily find on the soundtrack of a movie. It's very symphonic. It almost feels like a spaghetti Western song. It's called Final View from the Rooftops. And as you are listening to this, pay attention to the way that if you want to count in the measures, because it's in four, so you will hear the, 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 the snare played a lot between the one and the four, but it's only going to be accentuated once, if that, maybe twice. So that's a great example of the ghost note, and this is a great example of just how far breakbeat culture has come um, to sound like it could e like easily be placed in a movie, much like you just mentioned the Pie soundtrack. So here it is. This is Tony, Hospital Records Chief, otherwise known as London Electricity, Final View from the Rooftops. Mm -hmm. 
If you're like me, things like music, running, and cooking all bring happiness and meaning. However, there are times where even the things you rely on for happiness are not enough to help you achieve your goals. The good news is, BetterHelp Online Counseling is there for you. BetterHelp Online Counseling is a way for you to connect with a professional counselor in a safe, private, and conveniently online environment. Schedule your own secure video or phone session, plus chat and text with your therapist at your own convenience. Everything you share is confidential, and licensed professional counselors are available with specializations in depression, stress, anxiety, relationships, sleeping, trauma, anger, family conflicts, LGBT matters, grief, and self-esteem, among more. BetterHelp is available worldwide, and if you're not happy with your counselor at any time, you can request a new one at no additional charge. With over 3,000 licensed therapists, you can start communicating in under 24 hours with non-crisis counselors. Schedules can be set up weekly, over phone, or video, and financial aid is available for those who qualify. I've been using BetterHelp for the last few months, and I feel a strong sense of clarity, purpose, and understanding in speaking with my counselor. It's important to speak with a professional when you're feeling in need of communication and understanding. Beyond the Pond listeners get 10% off their first month with BetterHelp by using the discount code BTP. That's BTP. So why not get started today? Go to betterhelp.com slash BTP. Simply fill out a questionnaire to help them assess your needs and get matched with a counselor you'll love. Again, that's betterhelp.com slash BTP. All right, folks, that was Final View from the Rooftops by London Electricity. As you can tell, it's a very deep piece, lots of symphonic parts, uh, lots of um, anthemic parts, almost like a movie soundtrack. But hopefully what you took out of there was the way that the the, the drum kit was played um, and programmed uh, with ghost notes because the ghost notes are going to be very important moving forward. Now, as we're moving along our timeline here, we Ed, you've heard us mention a few times before uh, these significant moments of Fish's improv career that we keep checking the boxes off. And you'll notice that we get to remain in light. And then we say 1997. And this is where <laughs> the culture seeps in. And then when I say culture, I mean the culture of electronic music. And um, let's paint 1997 from a, the Fish standpoint. It was the first year that the fish had the bunny a dj powered radio station at their festivals that would continue from now into forever now they have their own serious channel they went on to do a quote-unquote dj set at the went that year uh and of course we now have a very open four on the floor format so now that we have the grateful dead's fandom and now that we have all of the old fish fans and new together we now see a major shift in the demographic so the funk that fish brought back from europe which is what you know is is now affectionately referred to as cow funk 
Um, it was a four on the floor feel. There was a much more openness. There was much more looping, much more creative band interplay, which invited a whole new group of, of fan. Um, I remember bringing my raver friends to shows in 97, 98, 99. And they were like, why didn't you bring me here sooner? <laughs> this is, they're like, this is, this is the sickest rave ever, but it's only one DJ. The lights are way better. Like they were equating it to a, ra you know, like it was, it was a sweet thing. It was not, it was a, it, it was wonderful to see these kids very open up to fish. Um, but, uh, very much because of the Remain in Light and the Europe tour, um, and because of this more focused, uh, you know, sort of flow. And now, of course, now we start to move, you know, through 97, and, you know, we've got a lot of loops. And now, not only is Fish's scene more diverse, now we have in coming to the beginning of 1998 the new deal plays their first set together as a band a full live improv set from a club in toronto and becomes a thing the disco biscuits huge props to mark brownstein all my friends over at the disco mm -hmm. biscuits they started me messing and starting to mesh with all different styles of electronica mixing with the jazz fusion that they had been doing so this 97-98 crossroads started budding not only new, a new side of fish, but a whole new side of the jam scene as a whole. And as you can imagine, we, you have the Went, Lemon Wheel, Oswego, Big Cypress. You're starting to see DJs with renegade stages playing funk. House, soul, disco, because this was easily the most acceptable. Drum and bass didn't necessarily hit so hard at this time, because believe me, I was the idiot playing it in the parking lot, and they were walking right past me and going over to the guy playing disco. So I give you this true life experience. Um, so this 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 um, this disco and house uh, was very, you know, you can. I often go to 929.99 as one of the end-all, be-all greatest disco jams. Yes. Um, obviously, you know, you know that, that 2001 uh, from the Pyramid, you know, even though we're skipping forward in time here a little bit, um, Fish was really starting to get their disco chops on. A lot of those, you know, deep ghosts from around this, this late 1.0 era. Um, and so I wanted to play a song that combined the sampling from before that we talked about in hip hop culture and bring it into a newer form of disco, which is called re-edit, which is assembly, um, essentially the disco version of hip hop, where you take multiple different st styles and samples of disco songs and make them into a new song, and that is re-edit. So this is Come Down by Tiger and Woods, which samples Evelyn Champagne and the re-edit drum machine sounds of Tiger and Woods behind it. And this will give you a nice picture of what the lot sounded like in 1997. Bent. 
All right. And so that was a little bit of Tiger and Woods. Now, for all of you um, new disco and re-edit nerds out there, yes, I know damn well that song couldn't have been played on lot in 1997 because it didn't exist until 2000 something or other. However, the idea was was that re-edit was being made in the lots at that time. Kids were putting house tracks behind old disco tracks like Evelyn Champagne. And that is what the lot sounded like. And that is what festivals sounded like when you were walking through them in 1.0 and it as well in uh, in 2.0. It was lovely, lovely to see DJs out there doing their thing and everyone congregating and dancing and, and sharing. Sharing the love, sharing the groove. And now... We have reached the timeline. We are nearing into 1998. And here come the breaks. <laughs> That's right. So, do I think that Fishman sat down and was like, I'm going to write a drum and bass song? No, absolutely not. Do I think that after Birds of a Feather was done, Fish said, we wrote a drum and bass song? No. Absolutely not. I If they did, great. But like it or not, Birds of a Feather is the first and only pure drum and bass fish song. It follows the pattern to the letter. The ghost notes are unmistakable. You will hear parts of the amen break in that beat. You will hear parts of view from the rooftops. It is drum and bass at its core. And from there, from 1998, from the release of Story of the Ghost, now we are going to see songs like Piper. The Oswego Piper is a great example. Drum and bass explosions. Um, Often when they would go into Type 2 in the later 90s, it was they were going to be dropping drum and bass at some point. And, and Piper often got that treatment. Um, obviously, Birds got that treatment. Um, and it it started to... It took the four on the floor, DJ-informed funk, James Brown culture, married it to this faster, more frenetic style of electronic music and that's where you have the crossroads of 1998 1999 where it's the push and pull between the calmness that 1997 had set on the table and the chaotic darkness that was going to bring 99 to its end at big cypress so there was a lot of conflict there was a lot of push and pull and these frenetic breakbeats really gave substance to these to these explorations when you were be dead nuts deep in a piper and then fishman just turns on a dime and it's i mean it's it's as clear as day and the and and the crowd reacts to it Every time it happens, uh, I, I always point to the Oswego Piper for a great example of that. But, but having said that, this is not something that 
this this wasn't a passing fancy. Now, see now, over the last few years, 2018 and 2019, we have seen Fishman come back with the breakbeats, maybe harder than ever before. Yeah, it's it's a very it's a and, and I wanna and I and I wanna turn it over to the host here because that w- once we started fleshing this this episode out and we started listening to all of these 3.0 examples of of what we call breakbeat saves by fishman (laughs) 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 where things things may have been getting a bit stale and then fishman decides to turn it all on its head with a breakbeat and now all of a sudden we're alive again with a jam so maybe you guys want to talk about some of the some of your favorite breakbeats at 3.0 um, certainly, some that we have here uh, off the top of our head from the most recent summer tour would be uh, from Dix, the Ghost from August 31st, 2019. That's a tour de force of many types of jamming. It gets some serious breakbeats in there at the last like five minutes or so. Also, Absolutely. Ghost, June 22nd, 2019. Brian, what are the others? So a couple others from uh, this last summer tour, July 23rd, 2019. So Meriwether Post featured kind of an explosion of breakbeats uh, this last summer, Cross-Eyed and Painless, um, as well as the 25th from, I believe that was Banger, the Down With Disease, yeah. a really underrated segment where Down With Disease goes into play-by-play and then into simple. But um, kind of as we've been talking here, I've been thinking about a few that come to mind. And, you know, if you go back through early, early 3.0, really not a ton of breakbeat playing. Um, no, it's, it's either very melodic jamming that like features a really rhythmic interplay from Trey, or it's very abstract kind of smearing. Um, it's the first time I recall hearing, Breakbeats in 3.0 was uh, the Gorge Rock and Roll from 2011 um, that gets way off into Wonderland and then oh, yeah. kind of fades down and Trey starts looping this like and out of nowhere yeah, oh, yeah. Fishman comes in with this like and like the fucking entire side of the canyon like just went insane when that happened. Gordo came in, they jammed on this just really like incredible dance segment, uh, right into meat stick, which was a really great segue, but a couple others that come to mind from that era where I feel like Fishman came back and there were like reports that Fishman didn't play drums between Coventry and Hampton. Like he just picked them back up and he and Trey were very clearly the two kind of weakest links in the early part of 3.0 while Mike and Paige kind of carried the more interesting parts of jams. But you said it, (laughs) (laughs) I said it, uh, but 2012, um, this really starts to come back. Uh, two examples, uh, the ghost, from Alpine Valley, July 1st, 2012, a show I was at. Uh, Absolutely. You know what I'm talking about? It's like a nine-minute ghost. And I remember standing on the lawn and going, is Fish like teasing the Disco Biscuits right now? Like there's a little, like it's like a 30-second moment, and then it goes into back on the train. But also um, 
parts of the light from dicks the dicks light has uh some really good absolutely that was the show where uh fishman they gave him a banana in between set two and the encore that's the, the banana right <laughs> they yeah. were like he's so he's i mean i think i think out. you're brian you're absolutely right if the timeline for 3.0 breakbeats it starts to trickle in a little bit 11 2012 and like the, I had listed here, the eight fifteen fifteen Piper. Totally, totally. Uh, another uh, obviously Piper is 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 you know is want to have drum and bass jams, but that's that's a that's another one uh, where the breakbeats start. We're trickling in to the improv as we go, but then it's it's crazy how you go you know decades later. 98 and 99, 2018 and 2019 mirror each other in a very crazy way. You know, not to say that 2019 got, you know, as wild as 1999 did, but as far as breakbeats are concerned, it absolutely did. The uh, Carini from Alpharetta that we, Mm. there's a whole back segment of it that we, we, we featured all outcasts to, uh, to showcase it. I, I almost wonder in like a very light way, I've always felt that the best parts of Casvote Vox were inspired in some ways by the talking heads. Like it feels like a, you know what I mean? Like it's a Euro pop kind of, and then this like funk type of al- album at times, like with songs like play by play and even turtle in the clouds. I, I wonder in a sense of like their mind, you almost wonder what would have happened if, you know, curveball actually had happened and they played under that sphere because you heard so many huge step forwards with the storage jam as well as the drive-in jam like what could have happened there because that that sound almost feels the sound that you hear in parts of casual vox I mean, that could have been a literally a drum and bass journey right. for like <laughs> as far as things were like trending. You know what I mean? That could have been like the Ronnie size set that we all never got. <laughs> and of course, that would be my luck. Like, you know, like I got curveball. This is what we're just going to be the drum and bass odyssey. This is this is it. No more four on the floor. We're just going to go full break beats, Aphex twin and turbidity.
I mean, it's it, it's just you know, so you know, really going going back to the beginning, you know, with Fishman fusing his rhythms together, the cultural changes of 1997, bringing in the rave crew, and then somehow through sobriety and 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 through all of the years, we wind up now in two of our most recent years. Of 3.0 with some of the most electronic drumming they've ever done in their whole career. So that you know, along somewhere along the lines, if if we're to answer the question that Brian asked, they had to have been informed by electronic music in some way, shape, or form. There's just no way around it. Whether it was a conscious decision or subconscious, uh, you know, I believe, you know. whether it be hive mind or you know or trey just playing you know just the numbers and the and and how the band is playing with each other and who gets room and where i I think now thinking about your question that you asked at the beginning of the episode i i if it was subconscious then so be it but i think they were absolutely informed by the style of music yeah i think they're too big of nerds and they're too informed by like one thing that will never leave my mind is uh during trey's uh speech prior to the curtain with at coventry where he talks about this. oh god it's it's actually oh, it's, it's actually you can actually make that out yeah, it's re- it's really good it's it's one of his uh clear <laughs> <I'm just kidding. laughs> it's one of his clear moments and, the, just... and that version actually I, I i would recommend that version to any of our listeners there's a three minute segment of that performance that um trey is almost hanging well, not up. not the part where they start over no no not that like when you get when you, <laughs> when, you get, <laughs> when you get into it when you get into it there's a moment where trey yeah, right, is right, right, like right. hanging onto a note and you can almost hear him just like thinking to himself, if I don't stop playing, we don't break up. And, and right. it's, it's, it's really that's, somber, beautiful. Wow, that's heavy. But, but before they, that's heavy, before man. they play that, he states, um, how the reason that they're playing that song to end their career at the time was, um, when Trey wrote that song, he felt as though he could suddenly break all these rules in music. And, that sort of stuff leads me to believe that they were conscious of the style of music that they were going after because they knew who their they knew who their elders were. They knew what they were up against mm-hmm. if they wanted to play the type of music with the type of freedom ultimately and the type of creative ingenuity that they were looking for. They had to learn all of this through studying, through practicing, through historical knowledge. And then they had to almost mm-hmm. rip apart the rules. So that's kind of how I, I where yeah. I land with that question. A- absolutely, the de- 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 deconstructionism, yeah. like, and I mean, and shouts out to Jason Pinsky for uh, suggesting that song to Trey. Um, Jay Pinsky, now a great uh, a cannabis entrepreneur, old school tour. Head. Oh, he was the guy. Uh, he was Jay on an episode. Of, uh, he was on Under the Scales a while back, I think. Yeah, Jay Jay Pinsky was the one that suggested that Trey uh, that they close with that. Interesting, uh, I didn't review that. I don't, I don't know, I don't know if that. Yeah, I don't know if that that's if, if that's a new anecdote for everybody. But yeah, that's a, that was Jay Pinsky's. Oh, I had no so. idea about that. That's a really cool point. Yeah, yeah, but no, but I mean, you know, it's you know, it's just, on a weekend like that, sometimes you need a, a friend to 
you know, put their arm around you and tell you, you know, this is probably what you should do at this point, friend, totally. because you just threw two trampolines out into a crowd and could have killed three people. <laughs> so you might need some decision making help at this point. So, um, uh, but it, you know, this, 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 this talk, this, 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 this line, these lines between fish and electronic music. And and the joy of seeing my raver friends react to fish, and then conversely, my fish friends coming out to electronic music parties with me, and seeing the parallels in them both uh, has been a wonderful experience throughout my whole life. And I hope that through this episode, that people will um, be able to, you know, see these parallels and. Um, and, and maybe find some of these artists out, these, these drum and bass artists. Some of them have bands, some of them don't. Um, some, some great, um, you know, some of the great turntablists. Um, we're going to, uh, as a treat to you guys, we're going to end this with a, a playlist, uh, a big playlist of stuff that we would like you guys to, to, to dive into. Cause it's, um, you know, it's it's really easy to shirk off uh, electronic music. Uh, you know, it, it, if you have your head stuck in the sand. But if if you can't hear the electronic influences in fish, then you just simply haven't been paying attention. So, um, so um, you know, I uh, I I can't thank uh, Dave and and Brian enough. This has been. Uh, like I said, this feels like my tour thesis. This is, I've been thinking about this for, you know, since, since I started playing records in 1996 until I played on the bunny at Super Bowl, And then now mm. we draw the lines between all of those, these three moments. Those are the three moments of my life. I have no other. Peak is coming on. Peak. Well, this has been so, this has been really awesome for us. Yeah. I, I think one thing that um, I, I, I I'm really excited for our listeners to hear this, and and for everyone who's listening now, I hope that um, this kind of serves in a lot of cases and like our larger mission overall, as well as um, you know introduces you guys to a lot of the really cool music. But also, one thing I think that is really valuable here is the story of 1997 is told a lot of times and the hype and the obsession within the community around 97, 98, 99, 2000 is something that you see pretty much every time a 97 through 2000 show is announced on the archives or anytime there's a big anniversary, like everybody knows these shows. But I think one thing that, uh, we fail to talk about within the community a lot is how we got there. And I hope that this sort of fleshes mm -hmm. out yeah. that the nuances also the um, kind of creativity behind and, and really the dedication from Fish's standpoint to uh, oh, their, Absolutely. their forebearers and also picking from uh, artists who were making music under much different circumstances than fish came from to really honor that musically mm -hmm. on the platform that they were at, uh, was a really cool thing. Uh, absolutely. And I mean, uh, uh, and Dave, I mean, and the thing is you guys, D Dave doesn't let on Dave, Dave has a large knowledge of, of electronic <laughs> music. He just doesn't, he just, uh, he just doesn't, 
pull, pull his wad out that no much, he, but, he pulls it out but, when it's necessary because uh yeah he's he's he's, yeah. he's a freaking encyclopedia about like pretty much everything from late 20th century music so yeah you're uh, right. that's right he, uh, he he absolutely is so uh, we're gonna have so dave's gonna be dropping some tunes in that that uh that the mix that that, that we're gonna end this off with and and i guarantee you you're going to be able to tell which ones are his because they're gonna be the best i'm ones. just laying back they in the will cut. be the best ones just uh just you wait mm. well we're gonna we're gonna play you guys out with this um i hope we hope you guys enjoy this playlist and um we will be back in about two weeks, I want yeah, to say. We've got a bunch of episodes here coming out this summer as well as into the fall. And we're starting to think about how we're going to attack the back half of 2020. Um, hope that every single one of you out there is safe. Um, oh, absolutely. You know, lots of love to everyone. Best in the, to you and your families. Yes. Lots of love to everyone in the community. Um
one and all, and it is called Share the Fall.
metaphor, we can set up all together. Share it with my sister, I can share it with my brother. Set up for the future, we can make it last forever. Stand like a pillow while the side keeps turning. We can set up all, we can set up all together. Share it with my sister, I can share it with my brother. Set it for the future, we can make it last forever. Stand like a pillow while the side keeps turning.
Beyond the Pond podcast is part of Osiris Media and is co-hosted by David Goldstein and Brian Brinkman, and it is edited by Brian Brinkman. Oh, my God.